Let's quickly go into the Word of God tonight. Come with me, please, away back in the Old Testament to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Right towards the end of Deuteronomy chapter 33, chapter before the end. And uh, just read a couple of verses. Verse 24. And of Asher, he said, Asher is most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers. Let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. As your days, so shall your strength be. Asher is most blessed of sons, let him be favored by his brothers, and let him dip his foot in oil. Now, Genesis 49 and Deuteronomy 33 are parallel chapters, and they should be read in conjunction one with the other. Genesis 49 uh, speaks of Jacob or Israel as he was renamed by God and how that he, just before he dies, he gathers all his sons around him and he gives them the patriarchal blessing, which simply means he prophesies over them regarding their lives and their whole futures. And then Deuteronomy chapter 33 is somewhat similar, only in this instance, Life has moved on tremendously, and now the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, now they are the tribes of Israel. And so, there's quite a time lapse in between those two chapters. And in this instance, in chapter uh, 33 of Deuteronomy, we see that Moses, uh, who was their leader, uh, he is about to climb Mount Nebo and die. And so, before they would ever enter into the promised land, uh, he also gives them a blessing. And he speaks over their lives in a prophetic way. And we haven't time to read all of those prophecies regarding all of the tribes. We just read the one here. By the way, there's a little illustration there of Moses, who represents the law, not being able to enter into the promised land because the law can never take you into the promised land, as it were. However, Joshua, God raised up Joshua, who's a type of Christ. In fact, their names are very similar, the same root word. And it is Christ who can and does lead us into the fullness of everything God has promised. Now Moses, he gathers these tribes together, and he's making this prophetic announcement, particularly upon Asher. So, Deuteronomy 33, verse 24, uh, we'll just highlight that little portion, and let him dip his foot in oil. Now, if you looked at a map, you would see that the tract of land that Asher was to inhabit was a coastal area, and it was a very arable piece of land. It produced luxuriant, prosperous, harvest of oil and of wine and of olives and of grapes. And so the prophecy, let him dip his foot in oil, 
had a, a literal meaning. They literally were dipping their feet in oil, olive oil. And so it had a, a literal significance in regard to the blessing of oil that they would receive. However, our purpose in reading this tonight is the spiritual significance for us. Asher means blessed. It means happy. And the man or the woman who is blessed and happy in the Lord has, so to speak, their feet dipped in oil. Are you still with me? Now, what are the characteristics of the man or the woman whose feet are dipped in oil? But very obviously, and first of all, they are going to leave a mark behind everywhere they go. They're going to leave an imprint. They're going to leave an impression. They're going to leave a mark. They're going to have some influence. Jesus was the greatest example of this, wasn't he? Everywhere that Jesus walked, everywhere, he left an impression behind. He left his mark, did he not? When you think of the lives of the people that he touched, the woman taken in adultery, a little woman who was bent over for all of those years, or Zacchaeus up the tree, or Nicodemus that came to him uh, by night in the garden, or a host of other people that he met along the way. And every single person he met, he left his mark by something he said or something he did. But every one, there was an impression left behind of Christ. Even his very enemies... He left a mark with them also. Oh, that our feet were as dipped in oil as Christ's were. Be lovely to think that every place we go, that everywhere we step, that we would leave a mark, an impression behind, that somehow we would touch the lives of others in the same way. Are our feet dipped in oil? And what kind of oil are they dipped in? I wonder are they dipped in the oil of gladness? In Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Is our feet dipped in the oil of gladness? Do we bring a little bit of sunshine into the lives of those that we meet? Probably not as much as we ought to. I used to work with a guy, and he was the happiest believer that I ever met before or since. And he was a wee brethren man. 
and he was the most joyful, happiest. He came in every day to work with the biggest smile on his face. You'd have heard him before you'd seen him. He was full of the joy of the Lord. And what a wonderful example he was. Now, of course, all the other guys he worked with thought he was a nutter. Thought he had taken leave of his senses. But they all sort of secretly wished they had what he had. <laughs> because when they came in on Monday morning, they didn't look too bright looking. Start of a new week, but he came in all smiles and bouncing. What kind of oil are our feet dipped in? Is it the oil of gladness? You may say, well, some people have a more sunny disposition than others, and that may be true. There may be some people who generally has a better sunnier disposition, but nevertheless, if we know the Lord, then our feet should be dipped in the oil of gladness. If anybody's got a reason to be glad, it should be the believer, shouldn't it? What about the oil of kindness? What about the oil of kindness, the oil of generosity? Look, chapter 10, remember Jesus told the parable about the man who was beaten and robbed and left half dead and how the priest and the Levite, they came and they walked past on the other side. But then that Samaritan man came. And the Bible says that he poured in the oil and the wine. Remember the wee chorus? He poured in the oil and the wine, the kind that restores our souls. He found me bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road, and he poured in the oil and the wine. Well, that's what that man literally did. And not only that, when he got his wounds bathed and he got him on his feet and he took him to the nearest town, he went to the innkeeper and he says, look, I'll pay for his keep. Whatever it takes, I'll pay for his keep. That's generous, isn't it? Are our feet dipped in the oil of generosity? Are we a generous people? Nah, it doesn't mean that we should be bragging about it or blowing about it. But have we a spirit of generosity? If you see somebody with a need, would you be apt to help? Would you feel a spirit of generosity coming over you? Hmm? It's the oil of kindness, isn't it? If anybody should be kind, should be us, shouldn't it? After what the Lord has done for us, we should be kind. What about the oil of encouragement? Psalm 23 and 5. He anoints my head with oil. Everybody needs a bit of encouragement, don't they? Everybody enjoys a wee bit of encouragement. If somebody says, well done, you did a great job, I'm proud of you, super, how do you feel? Then you feel better. You do, of course you do. Just need a bit of encouragement. I often said every dog likes a wee pat in the head, doesn't it? Even an old horse likes a sugar lump. And we all like a wee pat in the back, don't we? That's not me giving you a hint, by the way, if you'd give me one. But it goes a long way, doesn't it? And sometimes you maybe feel overlooked, underrated. You may feel nobody sees, nobody cares, nobody could be bothered. But just once in a while, out of the blue, you get a wee telephone call, you get a wee text, you get a wee letter in the post, 
from Phaniah with a wee smiley face in the front. Jesus loves you, Mr. Postman. And suddenly you're encouraged because somebody's thought about you. If anybody should be encouragers, it ought to be us. Too many are discouragers. And I've had my share of them over the years, let me tell you. But thank God for the encouragers. What about the oil of intercession and prayer? It'd be a good thing to have your feet dipped in, wouldn't it? It's remarkable the difference it makes if somebody is praying for you. Dr. Wilbur Chapman, when he was just a young preacher taking his first pastorate in Philadelphia, and he was given a very prestigious church, a big church. The first sermon he preached Later on that week, a layman from the church came to him and said, Mr. Chapman, you're not a very good preacher. And this is a very prestigious church. And not many will last in this church the way you preach. However, however, I and some other men of the church, we've talked about this, and we're going to come every Sunday morning, and we're going to pray for you. And we're going to pray God's going to bless your ministry. And God's going to help you. Dr. Wilbur Chapman said that in a few short years, those few men had grown to over 1,000 men who were praying for him on a Sunday morning. They became one of the great preachers in American history. Because people took it upon themselves to intercede and to pray. Some time ago, I asked from this pulpit, and I haven't forgotten, I asked would there be several people who would take it upon themselves to pray for me every day. And several of you came to me and said, Pastor, I'll be one of those several people who will do that. Now, we're not being legalistic about it, and if there's times you've forgotten or you didn't do it, fine. But I'm grateful for those who took the challenge and for those who still do that. A very odd occasion, once in a while, I meet somebody that I haven't met for a long time, and they say to me, you're on my prayer list. I pray for you every day. It's happened to me a few times, and it was totally unexpected. And it was such a blessing just to know that, because I didn't know. And maybe you're one of those ones that Feet are dipped in the oil of prayer and intercession. That's what you do. You're not an upfront person. You're not musical. You would die if I asked you to get up here to speak publicly. But in your prayer closet, before God, you're a prayer warrior. You love to pray. And you love to seek the Lord. And you bring people up before God every day. That's a wonderful thing to do. That's great. Your feet are dipped in the oil of prayer and intercession. And you will be impacting and affecting so many people that maybe you'll never even know till you get to the glory. Simply because you took the time to pray and to seek the Lord.
those whose feet are dipped in oil are going to leave a trail for others to follow. Sometimes, particularly in the winter time, uh, and nobody does this deliberately, it just happens. Uh, you come up the stairs and you walk into the church. And sometimes, depending where you parked out there, you maybe parked pretty close to uh, a curb, and it's been mucky and dirty. And unknown to you, your feet was in that, and you carried it right up the stairs, right into the church, right onto the carpet, and we could follow you <laughs> to your seat. <laughs> Never too gracious to tell you it was you. Ken gets the mop and the bucket out and gets the sort of water and all this stuff and cleans it up. But you leave a trail for us to follow. <laughs> But what a blessing it is when your feet are dipped in oil of the things of God and others follow your trail. One way or another, somebody's following a trail you're leaving behind one way or another. What kind of a trail are we leaving behind? Where? And to what are our footsteps leading? Parents, your children are walking in your footsteps. Where are they leading? What example do you give them? Now we know that they'll come to an age when they can make up their own mind about many, many things and will. And some of them you won't like. We've all faced that. But until then, where are your footsteps leading them? What trail are you leaving behind? Brothers, sisters, particularly if you're an older brother and sister, they may not admit it, but your younger sibling will look up to you and may even copy you. So, what trail are you leaving behind? It's very responsible, isn't it? What about a friend? What about a fellow believer? How do you influence fellow believers? Do you lead them higher with the things of God? Or do you lead them lower? Where are you at spiritually? Because others are watching. Fellow believers watch. So our footsteps leading to righteousness, to godliness, to life, or to death, to freedom, or to bondage, where are they leading? Because you are laying a trail. Whether you want to admit it or not, you are laying a trail, and somebody is following. So let's make sure our feet are dipped in oil, and make sure that the trail we're leading is leading to righteousness, to good things, to godliness, to the things of God, to a higher level. That's what we want. Amen? Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. I don't know if anybody else would be as bold to say that, only Paul. Be followers of me as I am of Christ. That's what he said to the Corinthian believers. Here's a scary verse. 
particularly for preachers and pastors. Hebrews 13 and 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Now here's a fact. One way or another, I will influence you for good or for ill. One way or another, for good or for ill, even unconsciously, you will follow me one way or another. It's just the way it is. That's the how leadership works. If you're leading, people's following. Therefore, the Bible puts a premium on leadership to make sure you're leading in the right direction and you're leading in the right way and you're leading by personal example because that's where it falls or that's where it stands. Isn't that so? So that's a scary thought, isn't it, for preachers and for pastors. Why? Because we're accountable. One day, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and this thought hits me and it's scary. One day I will stand before God accountable for you. How I deal with you. God hold me accountable. Now would you like to be in my position? To be accountable for all you lot? <laughs> now I can't live your lives. I don't mean that. But how I live my life, I'm accountable for you. And I'm accountable to you. Hmm. Most of all, I'm accountable to God. And so, when it comes to feet dipped in oil... Where am I leading you? I trust I'm leading you in the right direction. I believe I am. And I trust I am. And I trust I'll keep doing that. And if I'm not, there's a number of people around here who will soon tell me. Because they're not stupid. They know about the Word of God. So, if your feet are dipped in oil, you're going to leave a trail for others to follow. And you're going to have a fruitful life. See, Moses was prophesying fruitfulness to Asher here. And he's alluding to the process, which you can see, of treading out the olives to get the oil. Same as you tread out the grapes to get the wine. So he's alluding to feet dipped in oil. That's how they did it in those days. They got right down into it and stamped all over those olives or the grapes, whatever they may be, to get at the juices. And so he's speaking here of fruitfulness. No olives, no oil. Many olives, much oil. What does that remind you of? That reminds you of John chapter 15, where Jesus is speaking about fruit bearing. And in John chapter 15, here is what he said. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, 
you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So Jesus here is talking about bearing fruit and bearing much fruit. And the secret is abiding in the vine, abiding in Christ. Now, you could argue what that fruit may be. But let me just simplify it for you. Whatever your ministry is, whatever God has gifted you to do, called you to do, then is it bearing fruit? Now, the reason why I've revisited this message again, partly why I've revisited this message uh, about uh, feet dipped in oil, is because of a conversation that Yule and I had in the car yesterday morning. Uh, we were driving, uh, meeting a group of pastors that we meet uh, fairly regularly with, to fellowship with, and we were, conversation comes up, and we we're talking about ministry, and about being in ministry, and at the end of your day of ministry, what have you left behind? What is there to show for it? In other words, what fruit is there? And we uh, had some thoughts about that. Uh, some was encouraging, some was discouraging. <laughs> Uh, but, but it got me thinking about this. And then I found this little article just this afternoon that seemed very apropos to that. And this is for our encouragement, Yule, tonight, Brother Yule, all right? When a local preacher died, his relatives found he had neatly tied up the messages he had delivered and placed a card on top of them with this inscription. Where has the influence gone of all these sermons I have preached? So he must have been in a very reflective mood as we were yesterday morning. Looking back over his life, his ministry, looking at the big pile of messages he's preached, and I've got a big pile that size in my study too that once in a while I look at. And then he scribbled on that card over. And so on the other side was the answer. Here's what it said. Remember what the question is? Where has the influence gone of all these sermons I have preached? The answer was, he wrote the other side, where are last year's sunrise? They have all gone into fruits and grain and vegetables to feed mankind. Where are last year's raindrops? Forgotten by most people, of course, but they still did their refreshing work and their influence still abides. So in other words, fruit comes out of it. And even though you may not see it at the time, because fruit grows at different rates depending what the fruit is, doesn't it? Some grows very quickly, some grows very slowly. Some takes a lot of sun to ripen, some take, doesn't take as much to ripen. It just depends on the fruit. But as long as there is fruit, and we were just saying that, that from time to time, when you feel maybe a little bit discouraged, wondering, is there any fruit, suddenly you remember something, or somebody comes to you, or you look back, and the Spirit of God points out something, and you think, yes, yes, there was. There was. That happened. This happened. That person. This person. And suddenly, you remember there's a little bit of fruit has come. But God wants much fruit. 
He wants a lifetime of making fruit. And so if her feet are dipped in oil, then there will be a fruitful life. Those whose feet are dipped in oil are going to enjoy the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They're going to be anointed. Now, sometimes we use that word. Sometimes we overuse that word. We say a singer's anointed, a speaker's anointed, this is anointed, that's anointed. And sometimes nothing to do with anointing at all. It's just you get a few goosebumps. You think that's anointing and it isn't. So that's a word that can be desperately overused, particularly in, in Pentecostal charismatic circles, as we well know. However, there is an anointing, and every single believer whose feet are dipped in oil has an anointing. God empowers, God enables, God equips, God gives you the ability, God helps you in whatever calling God has got in your life, whatever He asks you to do, whatever He wants you to do, wherever He wants you to do it, there is an anointing for that. Now, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is wonderful. It brings us all kinds of good things into our lives. It, it brings us guidance into our life. We all need guided, don't we? We need to feel and know that we're going in the right direction in God, that our lives are on, on course with God. We, we need to know that. Don't we need to know every single detail of it, but we need to know the general course of our life is, 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 is on right with God. Uh, and the anointing gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us that uh, guidance, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so, Paul is telling us here that if you're a child of God, you will be led by the Spirit of God. That's part of the anointing that God gives by His Spirit, that He leads and He guides us. Galatians 5.18, if you are led by the Spirit, that you're not, you are not under the law. So there is a, a leading of the Spirit. John 16.13, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. Peter was lying on Simon the Tanner's roof by the seaside. He was having a rest. He was waiting for his lunch probably been made. And he's lying there and suddenly, he's dozing and suddenly, he has a great vision of a great sheet that's coming down with all kinds of creepy crawlies and all kinds of things he's not permitted to eat. And God says, arise, slay and eat. And he says, not so, Lord. That's not kosher for me to eat. That vision happened three times. Then the Spirit of God spoke to him and told him that man was going to come. In fact, they had arrived from the house of Cornelius. Go with them. There was a very direct, literal, on the moment, leading and guiding by the Holy Spirit. Unmistakable. Now, I wish it was as easy as that all the time and as wonderful as that all the time, but it isn't. But in his case, this was a... a a massive change that was going to happen within the church, that suddenly the Gentiles were going to come in. Hadn't happened before this. And so God had to do it in a very unique way. But nonetheless, He was totally directed and led by the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts chapter 13 how that 
They were at Antioch, and they were considering to send out a missionary team. And as they prayed and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work I have sent them to. So there's a very direct, I don't know how he spoke, whether it came through, probably through somebody prophesying, probably, but there was a very direct word of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit can guide us and can lead us. Holy Spirit can open doors, can promote, can prosper, can favor, can do all kinds of things. The Holy Spirit empowers us. In Judges 6.34, whenever Gideon was being called, there was all kinds of idols all over the country. And there was three great, the Midianites and the Ammonites and the people of the east and there was loads of them. And of course, Gideon didn't have very many to start with, but God whittled them away down to 300, as you remember. You know what happened? It says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet. Now, of course, he could have blown the trumpet anyway, but something happened when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. There was a new empowerment come into his life. There was a new energy, a, a new f- power came upon him when he blew that trumpet because it was something that the Holy Spirit did in his life. And so those who are feet are dipped in oil will find that you are guided by the Spirit, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 6, it says there is the anointing for the Word, to preach the Word. It says that the law... It kills, but the Spirit gives life. You see, there's something uniquely different about preaching the Word. Something happens between me reading letters on a page and saying it to you, and when your ears hear it, your Spirit hears it. And something supernatural happens that we cannot explain. It's like no other book And even if I was a great orator, even if I was trained in in oratorial skills, even if I had went to Rada and was able to, to, to speak like some of the great actors in the past, none of that would mean anything. But if I speak the Word of God, and if I speak it under the anointing of God, then somebody is going to receive it. Somebody's going to get it in their spirit. How many times have you sat in the house of God and somebody's preached the Word of God and a part of that Word that they preached has got you? It has spoke to your heart. It has penetrated into your spirit because the Word is like a sharp two-edged sword and it cuts right into the innermost parts, doesn't it? And that's the supernatural thing about the Word of God and preaching, that's why it's so unique. That's why... It's a gift of God. can't be anything else because it's like nothing else. And so the Holy Spirit does that. There's just so many things we're running out of time here. And this anointing, this 
work of the Spirit when your foot are dipped in oil and your feet are dipped in oil. First John 2, 27, it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Sometimes you feed it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're very aware of it, other times you aren't. But it abides in you at all times. Then it goes on to say, and it is true and it is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Are your feet dipped in oil? What kind of a mark are you leaving behind? What kind of a trail for others to follow? Let me just finish with this. At about age 50, the Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy, he developed a profound interest in spiritual things and began studying the Gospels in earnest. Unfortunately, he had rejected more than accepted, repudiating beliefs in miracles and the deity of Christ and the personality of God and the plan of salvation. Tolstoy reduced Christianity to little more than charity and good works. He nonetheless wrote about that beautifully. Nothing sums up his philosophy better than this story which Tolstoy based in one of his favorite passages, which is Matthew 25, verses 31 to 40. You'll recognize it in a moment. One night, Martin Additch, Avditch, these Russian names are not easy, are they? A humble shoemaker was dozing over his open Bible. Suddenly, he seemed to hear a voice saying, Martin, look out into the street tomorrow, for I am coming to visit you. Convinced the Lord Jesus was coming to visit him, Martin awoke the next morning with nervous excitement. But no one showed up that day except a succession of penniless and pitiful souls, an aged veteran, a shivering mother, a newborn, an old peddler woman, and a frightened boy who had stolen one of her apples. With a kind heart, Martin cared for each person. But as evening fell, he was disappointed that Jesus did not visit him that day. Putting on his spectacles, he took up his Bible, and with a sigh, he opened it again to Matthew 25. Martin read, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Lord, when did we these things? Looking down the page, Martin read, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And that day, he realized that the Lord indeed had visited him. What are our feet dipped in tonight? What mark are we leaving behind for others to follow? Wouldn't it be lovely sometime if somebody came to you unexpectedly and said, do you know that you influenced my life for good? Do you know that you made a difference in my life? Wouldn't that be lovely? You know what? They may never tell you that. They actually may believe it, but may never tell you. Few people actually tell you things like that. But wouldn't it be lovely if that happened? But you know what is greater than all of that? 
if at the end of this life you stand before the Lord and He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And you walked up there and your feet were dripping with oil. <laughs> and you had left your mark. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you have placed us on this earth at this time as a witness. A witness to your love and your mercy and your goodness and your faithfulness. And you have placed each of us in different settings to be salt and to be light. Some as an office, some in a factory, some in a classroom, some in a home, some in a hospital ward. So many places you have placed each of us. So Lord, would you help all of us tomorrow to be able to walk in that place with our feet dipped in oil. That others can take a lead from us. They can look at us and say, there is a real Christian. There is somebody who really believes what they say. And Lord, would you help us to Make that impression, not for us, but for your glory. Not for our sake, but for your sake. So that they may see Christ, the hope of glory, in us and through us. And Lord, at the end of it, we will give you the honor and glory for what you have done. To whatever measure through each of our lives. Because all the honor and glory goes back to you. So we thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.